You are listening to Studying Pixels, an anniversary podcast on game studies and video game culture. I'm Stefan Heinrich Simont. I'm a game study scholar from Germany. I'm Dan Hughes, a Japanese scholar from Texas. And you can find us every Sunday on studyingpixels.com and wherever you get your podcasts. Before we move on to the celebration, we need to briefly acknowledge that there have been like 5,000 video game <laughs> announcements this week. It was so tough to just simply catch up with everything. Yes, and being a video game podcast, we do feel compelled to talk about the... You're right, it's like... 400, you know, uh, hey, Nintendo and Sony have been sleeping on all these announcements, and here they are. <laughs> it was like, as soon as I watched one video with an announcement on YouTube, already five more had popped up. And I'm like, oh God, I got to watch all of these because they all look so interesting, <laughs> genuinely interesting. They do. There's, I don't think for me, well, we'll get into this, but it doesn't seem like there's a dud among them. There's a, a really weird focus Nintendo has this time around on uh, farming. But yes. We'll get into that. <laughs> it's farming RPGs. That's the new yeah. thing. It's like they announced, I think, eight different farming RPGs, some remasters and remakes included. Yeah. But yeah, it's like, do you want to, you want to, you know, grow your crops and also do some dungeon crawling? <laughs> <laughs> I know my, uh, my girlfriend will be very happy because she's been playing Stardew Valley nonstop the past couple of months. So upcoming farming games, look forward to them. <laughs> I actually, my highlight of, I think all of the announcements is a rather simple one. It is Octopath Traveler 2. Yeah, I'm so excited for it. Because I really loved the first Octopath Traveler. I loved Triangle Strategy, which is by the same developers. And when Octopath Traveler 2 came on and they played this music, this... Da, na, 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 it's like immediately touched my heart to such a degree that I must say I properly teared up in that moment. <laughs> I'm like, Octopath Traveler 2, wonderful. Yeah, I, I can't wait because I, I played it uh, recently, just this year, and I loved it so much. And I think that there's something about those 16-bit recreations that just take you back to a way more nostalgic time. It is definitely as beautiful as Octopath Traveler has ever been. I have absolute confidence that the story is going to be amazing. They're going to have eight new characters. And it is, this time around, not Nintendo Switch exclusive, which means that I could technically also play it on the PS5. Though, I must say... I think I'm still going to go with the Switch because it's just such a wonderful game to play on the go. Yeah, I, it strikes me as the kind of game that I would... This sounds bad, but it's true. I don't know that I would have given the time to get into had I not been able to play it on the airplane or, you know, traveling. So I think that... I, I think I'm there with you. I might do that. It's a perfect game to just slow down. While you're in transportation, you can not miss anything because every single dialogue box requires a click to move on. That's just perfect. There's also no time pressure in the combat. And it will come out on 24th of February next year. What is your highlight, Dan, from this week? Well, you know, I uh, from the Nintendo Direct, geez, what, what did they announce? Um, uh, oh, the new Zelda game. That probably is my <laughs> highlight. <laughs> there was something at the very end of that conference. They said, like, here's uh, one more thing. Yeah. I'm so excited. I, I reached out to my, uh, actually, this is a funny story. I texted my brother, Matt, and I said, you need to keep me updated on Tears of the Kingdom so that we can look to get the collector's edition because I'm a big collector and I missed the Breath of the Wild one. And I said, you got to let me know. And he actually thought I was meant to text you that. 
He's like, oh, I, I don't understand this. Like, why why are you texting me? me? Yeah. He's like, did you mean to text Steph on that? And then I said, no, watch the <laughs> Nintendo Direct. And he said, oh, and he watched it. And then he called me. He was so excited about the new. So I told him <laughs> that there is a new, you know, the title of the Zelda game had come out because he thought that I, I was texting you about some obscure JRPG or something. <laughs> so <laughs> we're very Which excited. Which wouldn't be uncommon. No. It wouldn't be unheard of. No, no. So <laughs> I'm very much looking forward to that. And I think that I might, I, I might stay quiet on any further trailers for that until the game comes out so I can be surprised. I hope that they don't go all out and show too much because it looks like pretty much Breath of the Wild, but, you know, with some added functionality, some added features. It's not a graphical invention. It's called Tears of the Kingdom, by the way. The Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom, which is coincidentally also the reason for why Nintendo UK did not stream the Direct on that day. They made it available later that day, yeah. so you could watch it. Because of the recent death of the Queen, they felt that it might be in bad taste if they announced Tears of the Kingdom. I think it might go a little bit far, because it's just, this is the title of the game. I did get a chuckle, though, because I think harddrive.net put up a satirical article that said it won't be streamed in the UK, but it will be streamed twice in Ireland. <laughs> <laughs> For the sake of celebration. That's right. Yep. <laughs> well, on the state of play, which always encompasses the new announcements for PlayStation consoles. Apart from the fact that there will be a PlayStation VR 2, which we already knew, I'm not going to go into that. I probably am the most excited about Like a Dragon Ishin, which is Yakuza game that is set in ancient Japan, right? And it had originally been released in Japan already in 2014. So this is a rather old game, but it had never made it to the West, presumably as has been the case traditionally with the Yakuza series anyway, because they said, hmm, we don't know whether it would even be interesting for a Western audience, and apparently they've changed their mind. Probably the positive reception of Yakuza Like a Dragon has contributed to that change, and now they're going to release it in a remastered version internationally on 21st of February next year. The other interesting thing that I read about was that Ghost of Tsushima was a big influence on getting it released because they said... That's a Japanese period piece, and it did gangbusters. So clearly there's a market for it out in the West. So Ghost of Tsushima, lingering, lingering strongly in the uh, Japanese market. Yeah, and also there's this game Rise of the Ronin. Yes, that looks fantastic. That was announced at the State of Play as well. It does look fantastic, but my first thought was, are they going to make Ghost of Tsushima again? <laughs> <laughs> well, here's, here's something that I'm looking forward to about it. It's by Team Ninja. So my thought is that it's going to be more like Ninja Gaiden, but in this very particular historical moment in Japan. And I think that will be very cool. So I just, Stefan, you know this, but I just played through both of the Neo games again, got the Platinums on both, which took a very long time, but it was very rewarding. And I am all for anything Team Ninja wants to do. I think they, I'll, I'll see whatever they're doing, try out whatever they're doing, even if it's a flop. I think it'll be an interesting one. Probably... The devs of Ghost of Tsushima, they probably sat there thinking, mm. <laughs> <laughs> why they're making our game. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I think uh, the last thing I'll say that I was really excited for, and I know obviously God of War Ragnarok, that's very cool. I'm very, of course, I'm psyched for that. But I am more excited that we knew this was coming, but to see a trailer with Ichiban and Kiryu walking down Kamurocho's streets for like a Dragon 8, 
very excited. That will be Like a Dragon 8. Yeah, that's kind of a new era, really, for Like a Dragon, with the seeming functionality of having a double protagonist, but also entirely changing its name, because Yakuza was, as we elaborated upon in our How Yakuza Works episode, is an adaptation for the Western market, because the original title has always been Ryuga Gotoku, which is Like a Dragon, literally translated. And now they are adopting that title, Like a Dragon, for the international distribution of the series. I like that. I think it just emphasizes their commitment to what makes the series work. I agree. And it's a cool new direction for the series, opening up to the world a little bit. So yeah, really cool Japanese-centric state of play from Sony. Wow, now we've completely geeked out on all these JRPG and and Japanese (laughs) game announcements, and we've completely ignored Microsoft. (laughs) Yeah, well, I think, uh, but if anyone, listen, if you've been listening for 50 episodes, you probably understood that would be the case. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Who plays on an Xbox anyway? (laughs) Yep. Two Sony ponies here. Yep. (laughs) Well, today, of course, we're going to celebrate our 50th episode, and that's why we're going to go through a whole lot of questions, and they are all framed as would-you-rather questions. We've got some questions for each other, Dan and me. That's what we're going to do first. Then we got a set of would-you-rather questions from the Studying Pixels team, because yes, Studying Pixels are actually more people than just the two of us. And then we've got a whole bunch of questions from you out there. But the first would-you-rather question, Dan, that I want to ask you is, would-you-rather subscribe to Studying Pixels Plus or get a caramel flan latte at Starbucks every month? (laughs) Well, the caramel flan latte is... It's temporary, it's fleeting, but the joy you get out of a Studying Pixels Plus subscription is forever. So I'm going to yeah. go with that. <laughs> Isn't that a wonderful question? Because it secretly highlights to those listening how cheap it actually is to subscribe to Studying Pixels Plus. The perfect marketing, Stefan. <laughs> or how expensive the caramel flan latte is at Starbucks. <laughs> Either way, it's a wake-up call. Mm, yes, it might not be as tasty and it might not be caffeinated, but... Studying Pixels Plus will get you all of our episodes entirely ad-free. It will get you a lovely sticker with our cute mascot Pixel Coon on it, which also has its 50th anniversary today. And it will get you monthly plus episodes. So if you're curious about that, then you can go to studyingpixels.com plus to find out more. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. 
Would You Rather? That is the title of today's episode as we are celebrating our 50th episode and by this pretty much our one-year anniversary as well because I think it was in September or late August last year when we aired our very first Studying Pixels episode. It was right around here, yes. It's been a really cool year and I think I'll, I'll get more sappy at the end of the episode, I'm sure. But okay. <laughs> for now, <laughs> I'll say that um, I'm really glad we're doing this because our very first episode was a game that we played. And we always love these, you know, we come up with five things to throw at each other and, and have a little game out of it. So I'm very much looking forward to this. I think you'll like my questions. I think the silly, gamey episodes, they're kind of like a mainstay of studying pixels. Yeah. And when we brainstormed about what we would like to do for our 50th episode, we actually got several opinions that said we should really do something that's like a fun little gamey episode. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to ask each other. We're going to get questions from... When we ask each other, of course, these are questions that we do not know what they are. Yes. So we're going to hit each other with these questions and have to answer on the spot. Then we're going to bring in the questions from the team and then we're going to bring in your questions that you have submitted in various ways. Do you want to start with the first one, Dan? Yes, it's a good segue from our talk about Nintendo Direct and the state of play. So I think I know the answer to this, but it's a softball question. All right. If Sony were wiped off the face of the planet and you had only one console to play, would you rather it be a Switch or an Xbox? Ah, uh, that's really tough because I, I do like the Switch exclusives. Mm-hmm. And I do like the Switch as a machine, but I think if I could choose only one of those, then I might go with an Xbox, just because the lineup is a bit bigger. Yeah. And there is a wide range of titles available that are also on the Switch. For example, Octopath Traveler 2 that we spoke about earlier will come out for Xbox as well. So I'm going to go with the Xbox. That's actually surprising to me, but <laughs> I thought you might have said Nintendo, but I agree. I think the overlap of Sony and Xbox is enough where I would probably say, all right, goodbye, Nintendo. <laughs> I'll keep up with yeah. Xbox. There are only so many farming RPGs that I want to play <laughs> <laughs> to stick to the Switch entirely. <laughs> oh, man. I have actually got a very similar question. Mm. Also, just to, you know, just to get warmed up, to relax our shoulders a little bit. Yeah. Would you rather give up on PlayStation or on Nintendo? Oh, give up as in, all right, I'm never buying anything from you again. You've scorned me. You've spurned me. I'm out of here. <laughs> yes, they're okay. literally completely off your radar. Consoles as well as exclusive titles. Oh, man. Here's my thought. I love Sony. Granted, Kingdom Hearts is on the Switch now. <laughs> so... <laughs> Yeah. Dodged a bullet there. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> with that in mind, I don't think I could give up Zelda. I think that's my sticking point. I love Zelda so oh. much that if I gave up on Nintendo entirely, I'd never play a new game, and that would be heartbreaking to me. So I think I'd make do with Nintendo. Wouldn't that mean you'd have to give up on Final Fantasy, though? Not necessarily, because, well... <laughs> I'd have to wait. <laughs> because I'd have to wait, like, maybe 10 years, because <laughs> they've all been ported over to the Switch. But if I wanted to play 16, for example, I'd probably have to wait until I was 55. <laughs> mm, yeah, yeah. Well, better late than never. Yeah, there you go. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So now we're getting into what I consider to be the Stefan-centric would-you-rathers. <laughs> I'm nervous. I'm going to drink a sip of water. Okay. So here's a fun one. Would you rather eat nothing but food from Nino Kuni 
or not need food, but still eat out of habit like the robots in Stray? Oh, I think, mm, I think I would do the latter. I would not need to eat. Yeah. But just do it out of habit and do it for being cool. <laughs> <laughs> like, as a, you know, as a social event when it's like, that's right. When everyone goes out, you know, the like Christmas market going on and I'm coming along and I'm just like <laughs> gobbling down like a waffle. And <laughs> yeah. so, Stefan, I don't think you need to eat anything. I'm like, hmm, so what? Yeah. I still want to do it. I think taking away that kind of urge would be really good because it means that I will have, for example, perfect control over my weight because I can just decide basically how many calories I want to take in because it's not necessary. It's not something where, oh, I need to eat now. It's just like, I want to, I'll do it whenever I want. That is the hidden superpower is that you would have complete control over your body, right? If you didn't need to eat. I always thought, you know, the would you rather question of would you rather lose a sense of taste or your sight or something? Always go sense of taste because then I would just eat healthy no matter what. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, I'm just going to have like a kilo salad. Yeah. And I'm like, mmm, delicious. <laughs> That's a good salad. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, I thought that might trip you up because I know how fond you are of the food in Nino Kuni. I know. I saw these tasty babanas and these little like vanilla muffins that you use in Nino Kuni to get your health. I had it immediately before my inner eye. And actually just yesterday, I met up with a friend and we took a long walk. And I was actually talking about the food <laughs> in Nino Kuni and how delicious it is. I know you well. Yeah. <laughs> Would you rather, Dan, lose all your save games of games that you've played, all your save games, or all your trophies? Save games. <laughs> 100%. I, to me, a trophy is... It's like a tombstone <laughs> on a game, kind of, where if I, if I get the platinum, then I feel confident, okay, I may go back to this game if I really enjoy it, like with a Final Fantasy or something, or a Kingdom Hearts, but if I just sort of enjoyed it and I get the platinum trophy on it, then I feel confident that I can put that game to bed, and I would probably delete the save file. So, yeah. save files, 100%. Here lies Neo 2. That's right, yep. Now, <laughs> the exception, the, the only reason this might give me pause is... You know that I'm insane, right? So <laughs> I reached max level on Elden Ring. And there is a max level? 750 something. Yep. So if I lost that character, I would be pretty heartbroken. So that's the one exception that maybe proves the rule here. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you could do it again if you wanted to. And there's going to so be right. an Elden Ring too. <laughs> there's going to be an Elden Ring too. And then you're going to be on level 750 something yeah. pretty quickly again. Actually, no, you're, you're right. I would. <laughs> I, I would I would do it all over again. You're right. <laughs> all right. I've got another one for you here. So I have three left, and one of them I think will actually give you pause. So I'm going to save that for last. This okay. is one that I think will be very difficult for you, though. Would you rather play Devil May Cry 5 or Maiden of Blackwater every year at Halloween? Every year at Halloween? You must play one. I must play one, and it, either it can be... Devil May Cry 5, which is a game that I found truly obnoxious. <laughs> and <laughs> I was so happy when the credits rolled that I just, it was just relief. It was just, oh, I'm yeah. so glad it's over. This is one of my favorite things about you, the Devil May Cry 5. <laughs> Despise. <laughs> or Maiden of Blackwater, which was mechanically annoying, but also genuinely scary. Yes. A Fatal Frame game, we should point out. A Fatal Frame game, yes, where you are basically 
exploring up on that like scary mountain and mountain yeah cursed mountain and there are ghosts everywhere and you need to take pictures of them to scare them away i think then i go with um fatal frame maiden of black water because at least it's a scary game and it will get me in the mood for halloween have you considered that the devil may cry five maybe the allure to it is that you are so turned away by it that that in itself is very frightening for Halloween. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's definitely, it would be a hard week. <laughs> but it's also, the thing is that Devil May Cry 5 is, it takes much longer to get through if I just want to get it over with than Maiden of Blackwater. Because if I don't pay attention to any of the collectibles and I put it on easy setting, I can mostly run through within like two or three hours and just be like, if I don't want to, I can just basically get it over with in an evening. <laughs> right. Whereas with Devil May Cry, it's like, oh yeah, and here's your... 40th weapon with different abilities that you can use and that goes on until the credits run. So <laughs> I'm going to go with Maiden of Blackwater. Very fair. Who would you rather have as a roommate? Mm. Ansem from Kingdom Hearts <laughs> or Sephiroth from Final Fantasy VII? <laughs> oh, I love this question. Oh. Well, they both, I think they both probably you know, uh, they'd be late on the rent. Oh, yeah, well. (laughs) (laughs) Here's the thing. I'm going to ask you some follow-up questions. Would I have to contribute to the shampoo fund in either case? (laughs) (laughs) Well, toiletries are separate, but the kitchen is shared. Ah, the kitchen is shared. I mean, imagine how Sephiroth makes an (laughs) omelette. Just using Firaga on it. I think uh, I would say... Ansem, I think, would have more interesting topics to go over, and I think they would be varied, because obviously he loves darkness, but he's also a scholar, and so I think he would be a better conversational partner. Sephiroth, especially if we're talking in Final Fantasy VII, would be talking about one thing, and that's his mom. And I think that would be pretty annoying to live with. So I'm going to go with Ansem, because I think we would have some cool late-night philosophical conversations. (laughs) <laughs> oh, that's true. That's true. I mean, it's dangerous to live with either of them, but yes. at least you can have some, yeah, some like Friday evening uh, philosophy over a bottle of wine. That's right. And I think, <laughs> I think I could probably talk Ansem down easier than Sephiroth. Would be my thought. <laughs> <laughs> Sephiroth is not. He's not to be messed with. No, no. He's got a one-track mind, and I don't think I'm going to be budging that. So. <laughs> Plus, he's going to hardly fit through the door with his katana. That's right. Oh, I love that question. That's fantastic. <laughs> All right. So I've got, uh, this is actually kind of similar. Would you rather go to space with Jeff Keeley or have a chance to say whatever you'd like to Bobby Kotick? Okay. Would I rather go to space with Jeff Keeley, the host of the annual uh, video game awards and the Gamescom opening night live? Yes. Or would I say whatever I want to Bobby Kotick, the CEO of Activision Blizzard, who has presumably committed very atrocious acts. Yes. You, you, let's or at say, least tolerated them. Let's say, so I'll, I'll paint the picture a little bit more. So with Jeff Keighley, let's say you're, you're in a rocket and you're going to, say, the ISS or something. So you get to see, you get to see the world <laughs> with Jeff Keighley from outer space. Or you're in a room, a single white room, sort of like uh, the interrogation scene in The Matrix, and you have a table between you and Bobby Kotick, and you can just let him have it on whatever you want. Okay. I would for sure go to space with Jeff Keighley. Probably be Definitely. more fun. Yeah. <laughs> it would be a lot more fun because the thing is that 
if I am in a room with Bobby Kotick, then I might say whatever I want. And there might be a lot of things that I might want to say to him. But the problem is that most likely nothing's going to really change his mind. I think Bobby Kotick, from everything I've seen from this person, he's not one who's going to change. Whereas with Jeff Keighley, I think he's a really fun guy. I think it would be a really entertaining trip to know that I have to be, you know, it's like a two-week trip or something (laughs) where I go to the ISS and, uh, you know, you need to get to a bit of like prep training, I assume. And then you're like in space floating around and he tells all his anecdotes about Hideo Kojima. That's right. Uh, So, (laughs) yeah, I definitely go to space with Jeff Keighley. I love it. I think I would too. As tempting as it is to cathartically unload on someone like Kodak, I think even hanging out, hanging out with Jeff Keighley normally, I think would be fun. But to go to space and talk about all the space horror games that are coming out. I think that'd be pretty great. I think I would go to space with Jeff Keighley and then badmouth Bobby Kotick <laughs> while doing so. Uh, two birds, one stone. <laughs> <laughs> well, would you rather, Dan, we spoke about From Software games already. Oh, yes. About Elden Ring. Would you rather never play a From Software game again or only play From Software games henceforth? Oh. So I get to, do I get to retain all my experience with the games I've played? Yes, the games you've played, they are safe. But when another From Software game comes out, whatever it is, you cannot play it. You're incapable of playing it. Or you can say, I'm only going to play these games. And then let's say you get them all just like for free when they come out. Oh, well, that's a nice perk. I think, oh, this is a tough one. But I, I think I would go with no more FromSoft games so I could play other games. I feel like that would be too big a sacrifice. And if I get to retain my memories, I have officially platinumed all of those games. I've played through them a million times. So I do feel like I, I could delve into my memory substantially and, and remember the good times while I play Final Fantasy 28 or whatever's coming out. Yeah, probably right. And you know very well how From Software games work. So you could probably watch a YouTube video and still get quite some enjoyment out of it because you can project how it would feel to play that game into watching it. That's right. And I think at that point, I would probably be more interested in the stories of them anyway. So to kind of just read the lore and understand how people are thinking about them would probably be enough for me at that point. That's a tough one, though. I think, uh, ooh, I hope that I hope that never comes to pass. But <laughs> <laughs> all right, my last one. Would you rather, it's actually, this is again, we always do this. We're always kind of on the same wavelength with our types of questions. Would you rather play Journey as often as you like, but never remember your experience, or play it once and have perfect recall of that time? I would definitely play it once and have perfect recall of that time. Because if I play it as many times as as I want, but I always forget, then there's nothing I can draw from it. There's no, no lesson, there's no learning, there's no sense of comfort that I would be able to take away from that experience of play beyond playing the game itself. Whereas if I play it once, I think playing Journey just once already would give me so much that I would be fine and I would say, okay, I'm done. I'll take what I've learned and what I've seen in, with me in my heart for the rest of my life. I was thinking about this question because how many games do you have where you would love to be able to experience it for the first time again? The problem, though, is that, one, we can't do that, and two, you wouldn't be able to remember it. So I think the memory, I think we've we've maybe hit upon the fact that the memory is almost more important than the experience sometimes. 
surely is, especially when it's something that is relatively short and then it's over and then I might be just like, mm, okay, now I'm going to have lunch, basically. And I'm not going <laughs> to think about it any further. Whereas that one playthrough might really inspire me for years to come. Yeah. Now, here's my last one. It's admittedly very silly. I'll take it. Would you rather <laughs> play all Japanese games in English <laughs> or all English games in Japanese? Oh. Uh, and just to clarify, this would mean <laughs> that if you play a JRPG, it would always be the English voice acting and the English writing and the English translations, no matter how shabby they might be sometimes. Whereas if you choose all English games in Japanese, that would mean if you play The Last of Us, <laughs> then Joel is going to be like, Yosh! <laughs> <laughs> so here's what this question boils down to. What entertainment do I value most? <laughs> do yes. I value comedy? Because if that's the case, I may choose the English dub of everything. Because nothing beats something like, say, Final Fantasy X, the way that they voice act in that. Or, you know, say Silent Hill 2, which we've talked about at length too. That is a very earnest English dub of a game produced in Japan. However, if I'm looking for sincere entertainment, I think I would choose the Japanese because Japanese voice actors, Seiyu, are so serious and so talented. I think anything they did would be really good. And on the flip side of that, if it wasn't good, I think it would still be funny to me. So I think I'm going to go with Japanese. <laughs> <laughs> that would be, it would be really funny, I must say. Yeah, yeah. I think no matter, no matter what I win in that situation, I would get enjoyment out of it. <laughs> it's a win-win question. <laughs> what about you? I'm curious. Ah, <laughs> mm, uh, I think, I mean, mm, oh God. The thing is that my <laughs> Japanese comprehension is not as good as yours, but let's assume it was, let's assume I was at a perfect native speakers level in uh, in japanese as well yeah then i would probably uh i don't know i think i would probably still play all japanese games in english mm. because mm. And, and not to cut you off but you're coming from a different perspective than me because english is not your first language as it is mine that's true yeah that is true english is not my first language though it pretty much has become that yeah <laughs> mm. I think it would just hurt my soul too much when I play <laughs> The Witcher and everything's in Japanese. Oh. <laughs> uh, that that would just be that would just be too tough for me. I, I watched a couple of things like for fun, for example, like Ted Lasso, this uh, award-winning comedy yeah. show from the UK, which is so essentially British. And I turned on the Japanese synchronization just for the lols, and it was just hilarious. However, I don't think I could do that with everything, <laughs> with every game. The funny thing, too, is that as small as the English voice acting world is, um, you'd be surprised how small it is in Japan, too. And one of my favorite examples of that, similar to the Ted Lasso example, is that uh, in Better Call Saul, Saul Goodman is voiced by the same Seiyu who voices the boss baby. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, yeah, I think if we're deciding to have comedic entertainment, that might be the best way to go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can just, I can only recommend that whatever you are watching out there right now, whatever show you're watching, whether it's Game of Thrones, Better Call Saul, or Ted Lasso, just for the lols, go Check on and out. for five minutes, just switch on the Japanese uh, synchronization. <laughs> and it, they put a whole new emphasis on the narrative of that, of that show. 
Shall we take a brief break and then dive into the questions from the Studying Pixels team? Yes, let's do it. Very fun. <laughs> hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. And we are back with our 50th episode. After answering our Would You Rather questions... We got a whole bunch of them from the team because the Studying Pixels team is bigger than just the two of us. The first one that we have is from Friedrich. He manages our Instagram channel and he asks, would you rather only play real-time strategy games or turn-based strategy games? It's a good one. I think my instinct was to say turn-based, but yeah. I already love turn-based RPGs so much. I think I might say real-time to give myself some variety a little bit. I actually would go for turn-based because I love, I love turn-based strategy games in general a lot more than I love uh, real-time strategy games. And I'm thinking, I'm spanning in my head here the domain from Civilization VI, which is a very classic turn-based strategy game, to things like Fire Emblem, for yeah. example, or Final Fantasy Tactics. Those games are just too delicious to give up. Triangle in, strategy, right? Triangle strategy, yes, exactly. In exchange for something like um, Age of Empires, for example, or Starcraft, which I enjoy and appreciate, but I'm far less into than the ones I've just mentioned. So I'm going to go with the turn-based strategy games. Fair enough. It's a good question. Toby, he asks, would you rather play with a sticky controller or a crumbly keyboard? Well, uh, I think this is Dante's second level of hell. <laughs> <laughs> it is. I also saw, have you said also an equal aversion to dirty controllers and keyboards like I do? I clean out my controllers probably once a month at least. And I clean out my keyboard once a week because, yeah, I can't yeah. stand it. Can't stand yeah. it. I think, though, I would say crumbly keyboard because I don't play PC games so much. So <laughs> if I had my... You know, if I if I lived my life the way I do, I would be way more off-put by a gross controller than I would a crumbly keyboard. That's actually a very smart answer. I initially thought the other way around. I thought like, hmm, I'm mostly playing with a controller. I'd rather play with a controller than with a keyboard. Well, if it has to be uh, dirty, sticky, or greasy, well, then I'll still go with the controller because that's the method of input I generally prefer. But you're right. I should pick the one that I least prefer because I'm not playing that much on a keyboard. As long as I don't have to do work and type on it all day. Yeah, that's the kicker. Maybe I have just one specific like 
crumbly gaming keyboard <laughs> that I take out <laughs> whenever I want to play a, a PC game. So yeah, I'm also going to go with a crumbly keyboard, but I totally agree. That's just the worst. I clean out my controller actually every week. I've got like a yeah. weekly routine where I just clean all my devices, all the keyboards, all the, like the mouse, and uh, of course, also the controller and the TV remote, all the things that we constantly touch. And I can't stand when someone comes by and then they eat oh, some crisps or something yeah. and then touch the controller immediately afterwards and you can see like the salt crumbs on, I know. on the sticks and I'm like, what are you doing? This was like $70. My poor device. <laughs> <laughs> Wash your hands first. We used to we used to have a joke when we were kids that uh the last person to get to the game, you know, the last person who would get a controller, there was a designated awful nasty controller that the last person would get. And it wasn't like a punishment. It was just, hey, you showed up late, man. You got to take the nasty one. <laughs> yeah, a controller where the stick always hangs slightly off center. <laughs> yes, that's exactly it. Yep. <laughs> well, Toby also asks, would you rather be Nathan Drake or Joel from The Last of Us in real life? So would we rather be Nathan Drake from Uncharted or Joel, the protagonist of the first The Last of Us game, in real life? In real life. So the, the really, we're just thinking physique, personality. We're not thinking circumstance. Because obviously, if it was in their game, I would choose Nathan Drake. <laughs> I would you choose Nathan Drake anytime. Because the thing is that uh, Nathan Drake, I mean, no spoilers here, but let's say he's got a good outlook on life. Yeah. Whereas uh, with Joel, not so mm, much. Pretty miserable <laughs> Depends dude. how far you are in the series, but... <laughs> <laughs> But, but if you would assume, yeah, it's removed from the narrative context of these games and it's just your physique, it's basically your, your body and maybe also your personality. I think I'd still go Nathan Drake. I mean, Joel is a miserable man. I don't yeah. think that I would want to be Joel for even a day. Yeah, if yeah. it was just aesthetically, mm. I would probably pick Joel because I, f mm. I love his beard. He's got a good beard, and that's true. He's got he's he's a very impressive man. Yeah, classic. But Nathan Drake... Yes, very like a very scruffy dude and so on. Whereas Nathan Drake, he's definitely, he would be an achiever in today's reality. That's true. <laughs> and so if I could have the physique, the appearance, and maybe even the bubbly personality of Nathan Drake, I'd definitely pick Nathan Drake. Yeah, I think the, the jokes, <laughs> Nathan Drake's a better uh, joker than Joel is. Because what, I think Joel has, what, pushing Ellie into a river once and... <laughs> Nathan Drake has a lot of quips, so I'll go with him. <laughs> uh, I think Toby actually is the only one who asked a question that has a correct answer. Um, and that <laughs> one is <laughs> the next one. That is, would you rather get a PS5 or a year of PlayStation Plus as a gift? I assume that he means, let's say the biggest PlayStation Plus model because it has they have diversified. The system now and there's like playstation plus essential and then there's premium and and whatnot let's right. say it's like the biggest thing where we have access to all the catalog of classic games and so on obviously the ps5 <laughs> of course the ps5 yeah, just i mean forget forget value anyone can get a ps plus subscription right it's still what are we two years out and it's still impossible to get a ps5 through retail yeah so yeah if I had that, I wouldn't even sell it. I would just sit on it and maybe give it to a friend who wanted so that we could play games together. Because yeah. it's still, I can't believe how we're, we're two years into this console's life and we, you can't get one. <laughs> Crazy. 
And the PlayStation 5 just increased its price even further. Yeah, so, <laughs> so good luck, everybody. <laughs> good luck. Would you rather, Toby asks, and that's the last one that we're going to do uh, from Toby here, would you rather work at Sony or at Microsoft? Very simple question. Um, I, I mean, I, my Japanese connection, I'd go with Sony all the, all the way. I think, obviously, we both love Sony. And it would be kind of cool to work for a big American company like Microsoft with all of its million different uh, branches. It's basically like another Shinra corporation. But I think Sony I'd probably get a lot more out of just because that's closer to my heart and expertise. Exactly. I don't know in which capacity I would work there. Mm -hmm. And that would obviously uh, make a huge difference. But assuming that I would do something that I could actually do because I'm not a developer, like I don't have any yeah. dev skills. Uh, so I would probably end up somewhere in marketing and PR. Uh, and I think I would have an easier time marketing Sony games because I have a strong attachment to them. Whereas if I had to market Halo, I would probably struggle quite a bit. So I would I definitely agree. go for Sony as well. Plus, I would have the chance to move to Japan, which is my long-term dream anyway. Yes. And I think being a Western marketing correspondent for a company like Sony would be really fulfilling. That'd be cool. Exactly. Yeah. I would, my, my Japanese would skyrocket. And at the mm -hmm. same time, I could be an asset because I can market to the American area. I can also market to the European area because I can speak yeah. German. So um, yeah, I think, uh, I think I'd go for Sony. I'd probably have a bigger career there. So Sony, if you're listening, as I know you always do, <laughs> give us a call. Yeah, we're, <laughs> we are taking your applications. <laughs> do you want to read out the ones from Richard? Because yes. Richard sent in a couple of... Would you rather questions as well? Richard, our wonderful editor, who actually um, kind of inspired this idea because he just does this off the cuff sometimes with both of us, I think. Yeah, <laughs> Richard actually, he started this on, on Twitter, like in just Twitter direct messages, just started firing would you rather questions at me. Yeah. And, and that was, <laughs> I think, he did the same with you. They're and tough I think too. That, yeah. They're tough, yeah. And that's the kind of birthplace of this idea of the would you rather questions. Yes. So I will say, okay, the first one, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump around a little bit just because I really like this. <laughs> We're going to do the sweet question that Richard posed, and then we'll go into the more Richard questions, I think. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, uh, would you rather have your first meetup in Texas or Germany? Oh, if we were to meet up? Yeah, which we haven't for you listening. Yeah, we, we've, we, this has all been virtual up to this point. Yes, I think, I, I mean, it depends. I would probably say Texas because I'm well aware of Germany. <laughs> right. What would you say? You would probably say, let's meet I, up in Germany. I would say Germany. Yeah, exactly. But I think, let's do the what if scenario. If you were to come to Texas, we would have a great time. I would take you all over. <laughs> it would be a lot of fun. And uh, I'd give you the look behind the American curtain in probably the most frightfully American state. <laughs> and you have been to Germany already, right? No, no, no. You haven't? No, I wish I had. No, did you? I, I've been to, the only other countries I've been to are Canada and Japan. Okay. Yeah. Well, then Germany would definitely be a new experience for you. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I would love <laughs> I it. Would, you would come to Germany and you would have a terrible experience because you would realize <laughs> that all of the people are kind of rude. And <laughs> you want to speak to a person at the bakery, but they just scruff at you and ask like, so what do you want? <laughs> you know, you know, what's funny is that both of these trips would be national stereotype enforcement missions. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It would just be like, ah, oh, you want some delicious German bread? It's like, is bread all you're eating here? Yeah, <laughs> and then in Texas it would kind be, of. do we have to have steak for every meal? <laughs> yeah. 
Do I need to bring a gun or? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. You get one when you enter the state. That's you get one. I, yeah. Of course. Yep. Big <laughs> so I think either way, either way, we would be fine. I would say let's meet in Texas first. And then th- it's only for the first meetup, the second meetup than we do in Germany. Yes. I love this plan. Let's do it. All right. So on to the, onto the funnier questions that I love. So would you rather have a Sims bar that always shows exactly what you need or be able to skip dialogue in real life? Mm-hmm. Fantastic. Skip question. dialogue. Skip, skip dialogue in real life. That one. <laughs> skip, 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 skip. Where's the button? <laughs> so skip dialogue in real life. That would mean I could basically be in a conversation. And if that conversation ends up being repetitive or boring, I could just skip it. And then I would be at the end of the conversation. And I would have kind of auto-responded or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> or, or you do, uh, you know, you skip through all the dialogue and then you get a dialogue wheel. And you think, I'm just going to pick the one that sounds the best. <laughs> mm. yeah yeah you're just like i have actually no idea of the context <laughs> yeah i'll just go with the neutral option i would go with the sims bar because yeah almost like our stray eating situation i would love to know am i really hungry or <laughs> do i just want to eat right now <laughs> i think i mean that was obviously a joke with the skip dialogue because the thing is that i would probably not make use of it all that much because the thing is that it would mean that i would fast forward the time of my life that's right and uh, who knows who knows imagine you're sitting with a person who loves to monologue and then you're sitting at you're meeting up for breakfast and then you skip and suddenly it's afternoon <laughs> like, it's like that uh oh, damn it. <laughs> like that movie click you're just uh mm, fast forwarding yeah. through all the <laughs> all of your life yeah it's like the equivalent when you play a video game and there is a skip dialogue button and you accidentally hit it and then you're like oh damn it now yeah. i don't know what's happened i have no idea what's going on <laughs> I would want the Sims bar as well. The Sims bar work, especially for me, it would be really good to have something like, of course, the like a hunger thing that's already resembles my natural functions, but things like a social bar where I can yeah. see always like, hmm, okay, you're going in the in the yellow zone. It's time to, you know, make some calls and maybe meet up with some people or go out for lunch so that you don't sit there in the evening and suddenly realize like, oh, I've been working all day and I've been on my own and I haven't spoken a word. I'm sad. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> then start speaking gibberish. All right, next one up. Would you rather have your likeness added as a playable character in a fighting game or as a boss fight in a video game? And this is for both options. What would be your moves or gimmick? So either we would be a character in a fighting game or we would be a boss. Yes, and then what would your special ability be? Well, I would definitely want to be a boss because the thing is, if I'm a character in a fighting game, then I'm just part of some bigger roster. Mm. And people could just not pick me because they're just like, who's that guy? No. <laughs> <laughs> Whereas if I could be a boss, then I would be kind of like, a, I would stop the player from progressing and they'd have to deal with my annoying ramblings. Yeah, that would be um, great. I think, <laughs> You're annoying I, think, ramblings. <laughs> I think I would probably be, uh, you know, the university lecturer version of me. There you go. So the yeah. <laughs> you'd be behind a lectern in the boss arena. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. And it would like hover, you know, the lectern would like hover. Oh, and I yeah. would like, I would be on there, you know, and I would, uh, I would be like, uh, I would have like a special ability, confusion. There you go. Where you yeah. Can, where you can confuse the player character and then they lose control over their character for a certain amount of time where they can't use certain abilities because they're too confused. <laughs> I love, uh, and then there's a phase two in your boss fight where you take out a red correcting pen yeah. and just let let loose hell. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, you can just write like F. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I love that. <laughs> well, I think I would want to be a boss as well. And I think my, 
I'm going to kind of crib an idea from JoJo's Bizarre Adventure because I'm a huge fan of that and all of the cool abilities come from that. I would want to be able to stop time. That would be mine. So I could, you know, for Mm. let's say 10 seconds like Dio from JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. There's some cool boss fights like in Kingdom Hearts where they stop time. And I always feel like that's when you take control away, it's the most scary thing. And I would want to do that to people. <laughs> oh God, then you could you could stop time and then you go to a completely different location or you attack them and they can't even do anything for that short space of time. Yeah, exactly. I don't, that's, that's my superhero one. I think my, if I was going to be Dan centric, it would probably be, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to like give you a sappy speech until you don't want to fight anymore. <laughs> <laughs> you can just talk the protagonist out of the fight. That's right. So we're both we're very similar in our boss abilities, I think. <laughs> that would be hang on, put a pin in that because that would be great if a if a boss character was pulling on your heartstrings so that you didn't want to fight with them anymore. Uh, that actually happens in The Witcher 2. Oh, does it? I haven't played that one. In The Witcher 2, there's actually a thing where the main villain that you are chasing throughout the game, he at a certain point explains his entire background and his reasoning, just yeah. like any good boss does. And you actually have the option to not even fight him then, but to be like, oh, I kind of understand this guy. I'm just going to let That's him run. cool. Oh, mm. very cool. Okay, good. <laughs> We're learning well, things. I mean, but we'll <laughs> save these boss fight ideas for the point in time when we've got so much patron support that mm. we can say we're going to develop studying pixels the, the game. game. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and I think I want to do one more from Richard because I think this is a really good one because it speaks to what we like. Would you rather have Hideo Kojima or Shigeru Miyamoto as a guest? And he put in parentheses language barrier not an issue. Okay. Hideo Kojima or Shigeru Miyamoto. This is a tough one. Mm, It's a tough one because the thing is that Kojima-san is obviously the creator of the Metal Gear series of Death Stranding. And he's got a tremendous repertoire of cultural knowledge. I think he would be so fascinating to talk to. But Miyamoto, he's the inventor of Super Mario. And he would probably be the one who has the most interesting things to say about how video games even became a thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's the that's the difference because it it would be like would you rather have David Lynch or Steven Spielberg, you know? Yeah. And I think Miyamoto, it would be so I mean, he basically without going too much into hyperbole, without him, I don't think we would have video games the way we do. We just wouldn't because he came in at a time where video games were in a sharp decline and he reinvigorated the industry with the NES and Super Mario. So I think as much as I love Kojima and I would love to pick his brain for hours, I think I would I would I wouldn't pass up Miyamoto being on studying pixels. I think so too. I think I would probably pick Shigeru Miyamoto because I think under different circumstances, it would probably be even just slight a tiny bit easier for us to get Kojima Kojima-san yeah. on the show <laughs> if we pester him enough, uh, if we speak fluent Japanese. And if we would present to him an idea for a really engaging conversation, then I could see Hideo Kojima possibly coming on the show at some point in the future. Whereas Shigeru Miyamoto is probably a lot harder to get as a guest on a podcast. So I would also go with it. Yeah, yeah, I agree. It notoriously does not do interviews because he doesn't think of himself as more important than a salary man, basically. So, mm. yeah, I know you're right. And that's okay. You've heard it here on the 50th episode. Our white whale is Hideo Kojima. 
Yes. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to see whether that ever happens. Well, thank you, Richard. Excellent questions. Thank you. That was a whole lot of fun. We've got some more questions, actually, from you out there, because we asked on all the channels that we have for you to submit questions. And we've got a couple that we're going to go through. Christina. Super fan. Yes. Asks, would you rather live in Yongendaya from Persona 5 or in Kamurocho from Yakuza 0 or let's say the Yakuza series in general? So Persona 5, the world of Persona 5 or the world of Yakuza? I love this question. And Yonganjaya, to clarify, so both of these places. Yonganjaya is sort of the home base. It's where the cafe is. It's where there's a batting cage and a grocery store. Very reminiscent of a place I actually lived in Tokyo, Ikebukuro. Or not Ikebukuro, excuse me, Ikegami. Um, I did not live in Ikebukuro. Kamurocho is like the red light gambling, have a lot of fun, have a lot of debauchery district of Yakuza. Yes. Yeah. And I think there's a, one problem for me would be that generally I would prefer Yongendaya mm. because it's such a safe and comfy place, but it also has very little to discover. I think that after it's a relatively small area in, in the Persona games, whereas Kamurocho is huge, it's vast, it has so many different venues where you can go. But the problem is, in almost all of these places, you're probably going to get into a fight. Yes, absolutely. Guaranteed, I think. I would say I would probably go with Kamurocho. However, if it was just down to, would you rather live in Café Leblanc with Sojuro? Or would you rather live in, like, Majima's dirty apartment? <laughs> I would go with Sojuro all the time. <laughs> yes, I think just for having that delicious home base as a ca the cafe where you can have some tasty curry, where you basically have all your needs met. And I must say, one important thing is that in Persona 5, in Yongenjaya, there is a clinic, a small clinic led by a doctor. And that doctor was actually the lady I m admired the most in Persona 5. She was my crush. Yeah. And that is why I must say, I unfortunately could not turn down living in her neighborhood. So uh, I'm going to go with Yongenjaya. I think that's very reasonable. Yep. <laughs> Great question, Christina. So here's one that actually had to look up. This was posted by Rudolf Indust, highly honored colleague of mine, who asks, would you rather it beholdy or it beholds? <laughs> now, I saw that question and I thought, what is going on? I have no idea what that means. Are we being cursed? So <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Is this like incantation, like a movie where you read out some kind of curse? It is not. It is actually, it refers to cheat codes from the original Doom video game. And those cheat codes, they trigger different things. So I assume that it, that is kind of like, because the game is developed by its software, that's why ID, and behold, probably just the word behold, that's just my assumption. And then depending on the last letter in the code, that triggers different abilities. So it behold the, that's like the I at the end, that means partial invisibility. Whereas the S, it beholds at the end, that's the berserk power. So the actual question translated for noobs <laughs> would be, <laughs> would we rather want the power of invisibility or the power of, let's say, ultimate strength? I think I would much rather have the berserk because then I could go to the gym and just, you know, rock it out. Crush it. <laughs> yeah. I think that would be more applicable to my life. 
And I think the invisibility, you know, whenever people ask, would you rather have invisibility or flight? Would you rather question? I think I always go with flight because invisibility to me seems like I don't want to be perceived as a creep. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know? exactly. Like in that case, definitely flight. But the thing is that in real life, sure, berserk uh, might not necessarily come in handy in many situations. I mean, <laughs> might actually hurt you in a lot of situations. At a conference, getting a bit annoyed. Berserk! <laughs> <laughs> but uh, if we think about video games and the way that we play video games, if we consider this to happen within the context of a video game, or even Doom specifically, then I would definitely go with partial invisibility because I'm more of a, a sneaky and strategic kind of gamer rather than a berserk kind of gamer. So I would probably go with partial invisibility. It would be cool to sit in rooms. Like if you if you leave and then come back, sit and just hear what people say when you leave. That would be kind of interesting. Might drive you crazy though, Stefan. The thing is though, how partial is this invisibility? That's <laughs> the other like, thing. That's so, <laughs> like super annoying. Am I not going to even be fully invisible? It's yeah. no worth it. Is that people will just say like, why is that dude half invisible? I think <laughs> that the tricky thing is, yeah, is it is it that you're transparent or I guess translucent, you know, just sort of like a ghost you can see through you? Or is it that it kind of turns off and on? <laughs> so partially, oh God. you know, you kind of blink in and out of invisibility. Either no, one would cause actually, problems. That's right. Actually, then I'd rather go for Berserk. Okay. <laughs> At least it's <laughs> because reliable. If it was, yeah, if it was full invisibility, then that's a whole other story. But partial invisibility, that's kind of lame. That's just like, <laughs> yeah, why is, that, why is that shirt standing in the corner, you know? <laughs> <laughs> we all ask ourselves that sometimes. De Mateus Luna reached out and asked, would you rather play a continuation of your favorite game that's not as good as the original, or play a remaster version of it. So would we rather say, let's say we take the game Journey, mm. I'd rather play like a Journey 2, even though it's not as good as the first Journey, or play a remastered version of the original Journey. I think I would always go for the sequel, because for me, that original game is always there. I can always play it, hopefully, if I, or I can maybe emulate it or something. But a, a sequel is always interesting because whether it's the same team or a different team iterating on a story, even if it's not as good, which a lot of sequels aren't, let's be honest, sometimes it's really interesting to see what they're doing with it. I mean, you're playing Persona 5 Strikers right now, and I think you would say that's worthy as a sequel and interesting and doing some cool things there, right? That's true. It's Persona 5 Strikers is not as good as the mainline Persona 5. It's still yeah. a great game. It's not as good it's still very worth it. However, I would probably go with the remaster version of it out of principle, because I think that in our day and age, we have way too many sequels and series into this. There's, there's so many video games and video game series or video game franchises where I think this doesn't warrant being a series. This warrants being a game or maybe a trilogy at most and not like an infinitely going thing. So I think I would rather replay that experience that has been very thoughtfully crafted and that I think is truly amazing rather than a sequel that kind of has the potential to taint my experience of the original, to negatively impact my perception of that first game because the characters are maybe not as they are, as I remembered them to be or they're not true to their own character. It's not as fun as it used to be and ultimately I'm just disappointed. So I'm going to go with the remaster version. There is a fun synthesis of these, which is a remaster that is secretly a sequel. So 
I have two games, and this is probably the only way that they have any kind of Venn diagram between them. Final Fantasy VII Remake, famously not a remaster, but also the Ratchet and Clank re-release, which told its story as if it was being like, "Hey, remember the original stuff? I'm gonna, I'm Captain Quark, and I'm telling you what happened." I love that formula. So if more games did that, I would love that option even more than these two. Now we've got a couple more that we're going to go through. We're not going to be able to go through all of these, but. Mirko Kempf submitted a couple of questions that we need to address. The first one is, would you rather visit Silent Hill for a weekend or spend a night at the Resident Evil Villa? Both will scar you for the rest of your life. Probably. One mentally, the other probably more physically. (laughs) (laughs) The the big question is, is Lady Dimitrescu there? Ah. (laughs) But the thing is, if it's in the Resident Evil Villa, that's not Castle Dimitrescu. That's That's true. I don't the Resident think... Evil Villa is from the first two games, I think. Well, oh yes, the, okay, I see. He's he means with the zombies, yes. zombies in. So but... uh, he means the mansion. Okay, I see. Yeah, because I I read that as village, and I thought, okay, that's that's interesting. So that basically boils down to: Would we rather be haunted by zombies or ourselves? <laughs> ourselves, yeah, yeah. <laughs> our past trauma. <laughs> Boy, um, I think I'd pick the mansion because at least I can. See, the the troubling thing is that both of them would likely, if you made it out alive, both of them would produce further trauma for you. (laughs) Yes. So I guess it really comes down to, do you want to be beset by zombies and hole up in a mansion with these horrible biomutants or come to terms with something horrible you've done in your past? (laughs) I I guess, actually, now that I think about it, Silent Hill is a resort town. So if I went to where James was in Silent Hill 2, I could probably deal with my psyche for a nice weekend getaway <laughs> by a lake. That's what they all think. I, know. I can deal with it for the weekend. I'll just pop by briefly and I'll be out in no time. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I'll go Silent The thing Hill. is though, Silent Hill is definitely the more interesting place because if I, if I were to spend a night at the Resident Evil Villa, then I know I need to, you know, gather resources as quickly as I can because I will have to fend off zombies. Whereas if I am in Silent Hill, it's more like, I'm going to take this weekend to slowly explore every single building in this town. Yeah. It's like a gigantic escape room, basically. So I'm also going to go with Silent Hill. It's going to hurt me more emotionally. (laughs) But maybe. And this is ultimately the positive thing, right? Silent Hill often has a kind of also cathartic, positive experience. Maybe I will even learn something about myself in the course of staying there for a weekend. So... I'll definitely do that. And it's going to make for a hell of, like, vacation pictures. Absolutely. Hanging out with one of those, uh, the distorted figures, just arm around them, hanging yeah, out. Like, yeah. that's, that's me with pyramid head. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Had a great time. <laughs> Wish you were here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, would you rather play Mario 64 or Tetris for the rest of your life? Mm. I think... I think Mario 64, and I'm going to say just because of the music, because I love the Tetris theme, but I think after hearing that my entire life, I'd probably go insane. Yes. Whereas the Mario 64 soundtrack is so fun and beautiful and eclectic, and I think that would be a little bit more varied for the rest of my existence. (laughs) I think it would also be more varied with differently themed worlds, so you can influence the music, but you can also be like, okay, you know, I have to play this for the rest of my life anyway, so... Uh, I'm just going to go through and try to do things in different order. Sometimes I'll go through and just 
do only the main parts that I need to do. Other times I might just want to, because I have to play it anyway, collect all of the stars and find out all the secrets. I think it's more attractive than the repetition of Tetris. I agree. You could also, you could get really good at speedrunning it. You could open that door too with the backwards uh, staircase trick or whatever it is. Yeah, setting your own challenges. I mean, there have been people who literally played Mario 64 for all their life. Yes, yeah, and continue to do so. So With great enjoyment. I think probably a little more rewarding there. Okay, last question. Would you rather be a really influential journalist slash podcaster where millions of people listen to your opinion or stop podcasting altogether? I don't understand the question. We are already influential podcasters where millions of people listen. (laughs) I don't understand the question. (laughs) Uh, I do like this question, though, because I think it's getting at probably the question of fame, right? Would you rather... Ah. Would you rather people hang on every word you say and you're held accountable for everything that you say versus you kind of have the freedom to, you know, just kind of have a free-flowing chat, right? And I think that we're both good guys who enjoy having a free-flowing chat. So definitely bring on the millions of people. Come on. <laughs> yeah, come yeah. on. I mean, we're not we're not saying anything that's too contested so far, I think. No, we, what, we don't like Bobby Kotick? Okay, come on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> what are you going to do? It's, uh, it's like, I'm going to just, when if you get this kind of like hate for that, then in case millions of people listen, when you just, you know, don't open Twitter. <laughs> yeah. Like, I'm going to totally keep on podcasting. That's right. And that's how Joe Rogan does it. <laughs> <laughs> I think we're more fun than him. So, yeah. <laughs> anyway, the, these were the would you rather questions. We haven't gotten through all of them, but that would take a whole longer. So we're going to stop at this point. Still, that was a lot of fun. Thank you so very much for submitting your questions. And of course, we need to say thanks here at the end of this uh, episode. The first thanks that I want to say is definitely to the Studying Pixels team because... We've mentioned the people now individually just briefly once more, so they are a little bit present in this particular episode. I want to thank, or we want to thank, I guess I'll do it in both of our names, right? Please. We want to thank Friedrich Maria Sommerfeld, who manages our Instagram account for his dedication, for his also visual creativity that he brings to the table, which I guess both of us unfortunately really lack. (laughs) I want to thank Tobias Klus because he was really vital in the creation of Studying Pixels to begin with. I've been podcasting with him before, and he actually came up with the idea for Pixelcoon as well. And he has kind of like informed the entire spirit of Studying Pixels and accompanied it since. He's currently working on several different interviews and reviews that he's going to bring on the show soon. Toby is a big part of the heart of the show, I would say. Definitely is. And Richard, Richard Mertens is the most recent addition to the team, he joined us to help out with editing. Because the thing is that making a podcast sound as crisp and as organic and natural as studying pixels, that's not an easy feat. What you hear at the end is not everything that we record because Richard sits down with great dedication of time and diligence to cut our show to make it sound as nice as possible. And he does a swell job with that. And for that, thank you so very much, Richard Mertens. Well, I want to thank you, Stefan, because it's been unbelievably a year with 50 episodes. And it feels like I feel very lucky because I feel like we we met in interesting circumstances. I guess I'll thank Aaron Saduko as well, who listeners long time will remember from With a Terrible Fate. He brought us together and we hit it off so well that 
we've been doing this podcast ever since. I feel very lucky to have found a kindred spirit very far away from me. And it's so much fun talking with you every week and going over these great topics that I feel really lucky that we have this great show and with such a great community and team. It's a really cool thing that I, I'll be honest, didn't expect to happen. So it's very humbling and very fun. I love this every week. Uh, I also thank you so very much, first of all, and right back at you. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't expect this to happen either because before I had some podcasting experience for, for many years, actually. And I must say that studying pixels so far is the project that probably has the highest quality standard, the most success when it comes to attention, but also economic success. And it is at the same time the project that's kind of the most fun to do, I feel. Yeah. <laughs> because we have, and, and this is something that people don't usually hear, but we have a very kind of chill climate within the team. Everyone's getting along very well, and it's super nice. I would have never expected to suddenly run into a person like you, Dan, where we, over the course of the last 50 episodes, have not just built a cool, enjoyable, but also inspiring podcast, but at the same time also a properly solid friendship just by hanging out together every week and producing this show for that. I thank you so very much, Dan Hughes. Back at you, Stefan Simond. I will say the last thing is that we talk a lot about how, you know, we don't like cynicism and we appreciate genuineness and sincerity. And I think at the heart of our show with everybody that we've worked with and who's on the team, that's the driving force. And I, I just love that. So... Here's to many, many more years of studying pixels. And here's to you out there, because obviously without you, there would be no show. So thank you so very much for contributing, for listening. It really doesn't matter whether you're just leaning back and enjoying our ramblings on a weekly basis or whether you actively engage with us on, on Twitter, on Instagram, wherever. It doesn't make a difference. We always appreciate that you come around and listen to the show. If you want to support us and help us make it happen, at least the next 50 episodes, then you can go to studyingpixels.com slash plus to find out more. And then we will talk again next week. See you then. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.